This morning we're starting with a new series called When All Is Said and Done. We're going to be studying the words of Jesus. And what I love about the word and the words of Jesus, it's not just words that are spoken or said. There's fulfillment in every one of them. He didn't just say it. He then did what he said he would do. The word is clear that God stands over his word to perform it. And the series, when all is said and done, is going to be an in-depth study. We're going to look at the seven I am sayings of Jesus. Seven times in the gospel according to John, Jesus introduces himself, who he is, and what he's doing by saying, I am. And this is significant. I want you to think about this for a moment. There's a practical application. If I had to come to you and say, who are you? You've got one statement or one sentence to tell me who you are. What will you say? You're going to have to think about that for a while, right? You're like, that's quite confronting. Who who am I? (laughs) Sounds like a movie scene. Who am I? And you look in the mirror and then all of a moment, there's a moment of clarity. But think about that. If you had one statement, let's take it a little further, make it a little bit easier. Three statements. You can tell me three things about you, and not the obvious things that I can see, like I, I'm, I like wearing red and uh, I wear glasses. No, not what, inside. If you could tell me in three statements, what would you tell me? What's significant about what we're going to study is that Jesus chose to reveal himself through seven deep things, saying, I am this, and I am this. And he's echoing What happened right in the beginning when Moses was speaking to God through the manifestation of the burning bush. And he says, well, if I go to Pharaoh, what do I say? Who sent me? And he says, tell him, I am, has sent you. And fast forward to Jesus being in this world. And he he says, now I'm going to expound on who I am is. And he kind of brings it to their attention and tried to bring it to their attention that Jesus is the Word and it's God, and He's trying to explain to us some very important things. I really battled this week in preparing for the message because the depth of what He said just in the very first one is deep. It's really deep. And I hope this morning that I'd be able to point to the words of Jesus and that He would do something deep inside of us. Seven I am statements. He starts by saying, I am the bread of life. Bread not just for living today so that you've got something in your stomach, but bread for eternal life. I'm the light of the world. Imagine for a moment you're in a pitch dark room. There's no windows. It's just, it's black and dark. There's nothing around you and the light goes on. That's what Jesus says. I'm that light. Goes on in the midst of the darkness that you're in. He said, I'm the door of the sheep. This is amazing. The shepherds would gather their sheep At nighttime, when it's time to rest in a safe space, and he would lie down himself in that space where any enemy could come in, any wolves would come to disrupt the sheep, or the sheep could go out, and he was that protector. And Jesus is saying, I'm that door. Nothing comes past me. And once you're inside this door and you stay with me, then you're safe. He also said, I'm the good shepherd. Psalm 23 comes to mind. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said this in a time where the idea of The dead being raised is completely foreign. And he says, I am the resurrection. We get the end of the story where we know what happened. But these people probably like, what is he saying when he says he is the resurrection? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way, and it's Christ. 
I'm the true vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him will bear fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So just looking at that, it's like, wow, Lord, I'm excited to go through this and, and try and understand the depths of Jesus revealing himself by saying, this is who I am. So as we start this journey this morning, we're going to look at that very first statement, I am the bread of life. And I promise you, this will end in us eating some bread today. So be ready. It's second service. This bread is looking at me. I'm looking at it. I'm getting ready to enjoy some of that this morning. We're going to read together from John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 22. I hope you've got your Bible here. Please open it up. If you're reading digitally on your device, switch it to flight mode so that you don't get any uh, distractions or notifications coming through. Let's read the word together in a focused manner this morning. And before I read, you've got to understand the context. John chapter 6, a very exciting chapter in the gospel according to John, where Jesus have just multiplied a whole lot of bread and he fed thousands of people. Now, what I love about the little nuggets we find in the Word, and I really hope that when you read the Word over the next few weeks together, you'll find these little nuances that are written into the story. Jesus was walking up a mountain, and the people were following him up this mountain. And then he chose a grassy patch for them to sit down in. So I can imagine him walking up the mountain, and he was probably preparing his heart for what he was about to do. And then he found some grass, and he says, the people sit down here on the grass. I think he was echoing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Because he knew that the people were wanting in that moment. They were hungry. And he said, we could sit there in the dust or we could sit in the grass. And he made them sit in the grass. Because he was revealing to them something far deeper than just the words he was saying. And my prayer really is that we would find that revelation of Jesus over the next few weeks. So then the story continues. The bread is multiplied. There's 12 baskets left over. Jesus then retreats from the people because they want to by force make him king because they were ready for a leader to come and rise up against him and lead them. And probably this Jesus is a good idea because he's just multiplied bread and he's taking care of us. And then he retreats to the mountain. He sends his disciples across the lake to the other side. And then our story continues on from there. Let's read together verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they say to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They say to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is hard saying, who can listen to this? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who would not believe him and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning as we look at this text that our resolve would be the same as Peter. Lord, where can we go? You hold the words of eternal life. I pray that you would stand over your word to perform it as you promise and that we would leave here being filled with the bread of life. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint your word and as we teach it and listen to it this morning, may it be to the glory of Jesus. And the people of God say, Amen. What a fascinating story. Jeez, these guys started off by running after Jesus and calling him Rabbi. You're our leader. You're our spiritual guide to go ahead of us. And right by the end of this conversation between Jesus and the people, many said, Ah, not anymore. <laughs> I just looked at that and I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Some people run after Jesus and after a while, like, not anymore. And Jesus explains to us why, because we have to grasp what he's trying to say when he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And I'm questioning us and our hearts this morning by titling this sermon, Living on Leftovers, with a question mark. And I'll explain to you in a minute how I got to this. Because the people that Jesus was speaking to were living on leftovers while he was standing in front of them, willing to invite them into a banquet feast of grace and life and eternity that nothing can take away. They were simply happy with the leftovers. The beginning of the year, we had a prayer week and we fasted and we ended our prayer and fasting with a communion at prayer at the living room. And there was a whole lot of bread. Now, what usually happens when there's a lot of food left over at something at the office, then the staff gets to eat what's, whatever's left over. Um, I hear some sighs up front. It's like the Old Testament where in the tabernacle, the Levites ate the showbread. It's that kind of vibe, if you, if you know what that means. So we've, we've learned over time that it's not always good to eat all the leftovers, so we start giving it away. But we had a whole lot of bread left, and the bread was gone. And a couple of days later, I asked Ricky if I can borrow his car because I needed to go somewhere. I didn't have a car. Uh, and he said, of course. So I get in his car, start driving. And the next moment I look down next to me in the passenger seat, on the floor is half a white loaf with the insides eaten out. And it's just a crust <laughs> lying on the floor. And I'm like, what the heck, Rick? So I'm like, this is funny. So I take a picture of it and I send it to him. And then I take the crust and I go to the office and I put it down on his computer. I actually have a picture of that. There it is. He's eaten out all the insights. And there's a hot crust left over, a couple of days old. So the, the story ends that he actually ate that as well. <laughs> I went to him later and I said, what did you do to the bread? He said, I ate it. That bread is nice, boy. I'm like, Ricky, you are crazy. So Ricky enjoyed the, the leftovers, 
And I want to apply it to the word. Are we living on leftovers? Yesterday's bread. Last year's experience. Or something that we've heard about Jesus. Like these people. So our goal this morning is to become deeply hungry for him again. Deeply. Where you are not satisfied until you've had the bread of life, which is Jesus. Daily bread. That's why he taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, practically, as we all think it means, give us our food. But it always implies the spiritual bread that he is and that he has given us. Give us this day our daily bread. So the goal is this morning to become hungry again and to not settle living on leftovers. We've got to understand that Jesus wants us to be seeking him for the right reasons. He addressed these people who suddenly called him rabbi. You now are our leader. We choose you because you've given us bread. He knew what was in their hearts and he knew that a couple of dialogue conversations down the road they're going to turn their backs and say not anymore ah, we're going to find someone else this is too hard he discerned that they were seeking him for the wrong reasons he discerned that they was they were running after him because of something that they experienced which is not the fullness that he had for us and they were living on the leftovers of the day before's bread and they were living on the leftovers of the story of Moses and the manna in the wilderness. Because they brought it up. Say, Jesus, Moses gave us some amazing bread. What are you going to do? Come now, show us what you can do. Because the bread Moses gave us, ish, never been any like it. And then Jesus cuts through and says, was never Moses? Was the Father in heaven who sent bread from heaven? But now standing in front of you is the bread from heaven. It's me. And these people were just settling on the leftovers. Two things that he addresses in this moment. He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you are full of the loaves. What does that mean? How do we apply this? Jesus is saying, you're not coming to me and crossing the lake and chasing after me for any other reason than for getting something and getting some stuff. You had food, you want food again. And I made a list of what this could represent to us today. Stuff, supply, blessings. Maybe some of them ran along because of the popularity of now going to find Jesus who gives away bread. And they just wanted bread again. He says, you're seeking to get something from me. You're just, you just here so that I can just supply and something for you. That, that's all that you are in. And, and in the meantime, I'm standing here. Being the bread. And then he also said, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. What does this represent? It represented the tradition of the story. It represented them hearing about the bread from heaven once before, way back, and living off past people's experiences and history instead of meeting Jesus himself. It represents building our faith and our walk with Jesus on other people's moments with Jesus. Maybe on leaders, maybe on stuff that you've heard and seen and, and you refer back to what God is doing out there. 
While in the meantime, Jesus is right with us, as Ricky said. He's right in us, and we are in him. So the question we've got to ask ourselves this morning, are some of us living on yesterday's bread and last year's manna? Maybe you've had an encounter with Jesus where your life was deeply impacted by that, and you're still holding on to something that happened a few weeks, months, or years back. When last did you get the fresh manna from the bread of life? And it's a little bit like this. I've got some dried out pretzels here. So we've had manna from heaven. And I tell someone about it. There we go, Ricky. Manna from heaven. And then he nibbles on it for a little while. Nibble. And he says, well, I want to pass this on to the next generation. And he passes it on to his sons. Like, here's some manna from heaven. There was this time once where we woke up and there was just bread everywhere. I want to tell you this story. And then you guys now need to nibble. And then we keep passing it on, and in the end, this all turns into crumbs. And we walk around dissatisfied. Meanwhile, Jesus is standing with fresh bread every day. He says, come and eat this. Come and have this. This is life. And you know what? Today it's going to be stale by tonight, but tomorrow morning, my mercies are new. And I'm faithful there will be fresh bread for you to eat. Oh, but Pierre, I've had an encounter once in this church and it was amazing. I went to this conference and my life was turned upside down. Yes, I want to go. No, you shouldn't go back. You should have that moment with Jesus today because it's still available. Are we living on leftovers like these people and are we missing that he is standing in front of us saying, here it is, a banquet feast of life. And then we get despondent with our church community because they don't sing the songs that we like to sing and they don't preach the messages. And then we listen to a podcast of another leader in another place. Like, yeah, he's the man. He's got Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is here. And you know what? He's here and he's in your home. He's in your, bed, your bedroom. He's in your living room. He's right there waiting, standing with bread every day, saying, quit the leftovers. There's a fresh meal for you every single day. Come and eat your full. Jesus also did not step into this world to be useful. He stepped into it to be treasured. These guys wanted to use Jesus to get a piece of bread. And he says, no, I'm not coming to give you bread. I'm coming to change your desires. I'm awakening in you a desire that only I can fulfill. That is me being the bread of life. Treasure me above anything else. They only treasured him because they got a piece of bread. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I never intended to just give you things or make your life a little bit better and we just slap some theology on some things we're going through and then oh, I feel better now. Or we might, tough week, and then if I can get just get to church and just, Jesus could be useful to me again and just make me feel okay again and I've sinned, I've made mistakes, so let me just go and clear my conscience and all those things are part of what he gives. But we're missing him. We're missing Jesus and the person being the bread to us. This has really challenged me this week. I told Ricky after the first service, this was one of those messages that I'm like, God, I don't want to preach this unless you deeply speak to me about my walk with you. And then he did, and he challenged me. After our moment at Zola, I was on a high. And Monday came, and man Monday ran through, and I neglected to go get my fresh bread, sharing from my life here. Tuesday morning, God arrested my heart and says, Pierre, are you still going to live on bread from two days back? 
And I realized this is the invitation every single day. Don't live on the leftovers of last week or past year when he's got fresh bread for us every day. This is why Paul could say, to live is Christ. He's sitting in a prison. He's beaten up. He's learned the art of suffering being used for the glory of God. And he didn't say, Jesus, be useful to me and just quickly tie up my wounds and kick open the gate like you've done before. He sits in the prison and he eats bread. He says, Christ delivers Christ. He's enough. That's why David could write and say, there's nothing on earth I desire. Nothing beside you. There's nothing I desire beside you. How many desires do we have? And it ends up being crumbs that does never supply. Can we be like David says, I desire nothing but you? Because Jesus is standing with fresh bread ready for us to enjoy. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, I've heard of some good old woman in a cottage who had nothing but a piece of bread and a little water. And lifting up her hands, she said as a blessing, what, all of this and Christ too? How beautiful. Lord, I've got water and bread, but I've got Jesus. And Jesus, you promised and you showed that you will give us the bread that we need to eat to live and be sustained. But I want to really take you up on your word where he says, first seek me the living bread of my kingdom, and everything you need will come after you. See, he's come to change our desires. He's come not to make himself useful to us, but for us to ultimately treasure Jesus above everything else. And the people here could not hear or see or understood it. I want to share a story out of my own life. A month ago, we had the opportunity, just over a month ago, to go on a week's holiday as a family. And we really treasured this time because would be good to rest and connect, and we were celebrating our 15-year wedding anniversary, we were celebrating Alika's ninth birthday, and we've got this holiday planned out. So on the way to the holiday destination, uh, our car decides, that's it, I'm kaput. No more. So it's, it's quite disheartening, because you've planned it, and I need this time away, <laughs> I need the rest. So the car breaks, and by God's grace, we are in a town where we've got friends and we call them up and they graciously offered to pick us up where the car broke and uh, we got the car taken to a mechanic and then they gave us a lift to the holiday town, which is about 80 kilometers down the road. And there we are, just the three of us, no car, all the plans out the back door and I said, let's call this our holiday break away. Okay. You guys are sharper than the first service. The people didn't get that. And you know what? I took about an entire day to realize what God was doing inside of me. Because honestly, I knew this was a bad break. It's one of those that doesn't just break the car. It breaks the bank. It breaks your mood. It breaks anything. It's just, it's dead. It's kaput. And my brain started spinning. Okay, where am I going to get the money? It's going to be debt. It's this, that. And then, okay, all the plans we had and we wanted to go drive around a bit and and I was in that frantic space, and I was waiting for the mechanic to send me the bad news the whole time, checking my phone where my phone should have just been off. And the next day was our wedding anniversary, and I 
went for a run that morning and I felt the Lord just speak to me and say, Pierre, are you going to miss out on what I have for you because you are so stuck with what you want me to do for you? With your car. Your car. A car, people. Really? And I repented. I said, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm missing out. And I decided, you know what, we as a family have an opportunity this week to just enjoy him and enjoy one another. And there were some moments of gold that week that I still treasure today of what he did in us as a family, regardless of having everything in place that we supposedly need. Jesus wanted, didn't want to be useful to us that week. He wanted to be treasured. That's why he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That word lives mean the fullness of physical and spiritual existence. I offer you the fullness of physical and spiritual existence. Do you hold on to the leftovers? Some of our leftovers look like this. This is the cool thing of being in a school hall. You get props all around the venue. And we walk around with our lunch boxes of the story of what Jesus did for us last month. And we open up and it's like, look what Jesus did. And it's moldy and it's stale. I want to say this prophetically. There's some of you in this room who smell of moldy and stale bread. This morning, there's an opportunity for an exchange. To put this down, say, no more am I just holding on to what I had. I'm accepting the fullness of what He has for me today. And tomorrow, and the day after that. That's the invitation, the fullness of life. Four things that Jesus said when He spoke about Himself being bread. First of all, Jesus came not to give bread, but to be bread. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. You've got to understand that Bread is never enough. Having food in your house and a place to live and all those things is good and it's right and it's by God's goodness that we enjoy those things. But it's never enough. You can have the best meal at the best restaurant every single day of your life, all three meals. You can have a personal chef. I was once asked a question, if you can get 10 billion rand, what would you do with the money? I said, I'll employ a personal chef. Just think about walking into your kitchen and there's the meal, the right Calories, the right nutrients, everything just prepared and you can just sit down and eat. But you know what? Not even that would be enough. If Jesus is not in my life. If I haven't got up and to just say, Jesus, I want to have the bread of the spirit that you spoke about. I want to just be here with you because you are the only thing that ultimately satisfies the things in this world might momentarily give me a sense of satisfaction. And yeah, I need these things to live. But inside you, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. So will you be the bread that I need to eat? This is probably what was the highlight for me last week at Zola. Is that 70 people responded to the bread of life, Jesus, before we gave them a blanket. We didn't give them a blanket and said, now do you want to accept Jesus? The blankets was the afterthought. Jesus and the gospel of his love was the thought. And people responded to that. And then, oh yes, 
Now that you've met Jesus, by the way, we've also brought some blankets along. Do you want it? For these people that were following Jesus, it was the opposite way around. I ate the bread. Ooh, I want that. And he says, this is not how I want you to pursue me. I want you to pursue me for who I am and what I bring, not what you can get out of it. This week I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a missionary in Malawi, or he does mission work there. And he said, third poorest country in the world. I said, what's it like to be in the streets of the third poorest country in the world? Do you see the poverty? He says, you know what? Honestly, it's hidden because the people are so full of life and hope and joy, especially the Christians. So his pastors come and they wear, they wear like f- fourth generation hand-me-down clothes, pastors. But they don't care because they've got Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, has our life become so full of other bread options that we've unlearned the art of just being hungry for you. We fill it with things and moments and clicks of buttons and relationships and stuff where you are standing every single day and saying, fresh bread today. The second thing that Jesus addressed, he didn't come for works but for faith, and this is important. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in whom, in him whom he has sent. This is the beauty of the gospel. They didn't have to jump through a whole lot of loops to get Jesus. He's saying, just believe. These guys were ready to get some of the manna that was back in the day that Moses had. Like, yeah, that bread was good. What can you give us? Let's compare. And then they said, okay, but what must we do right in order to get this? We really want this bread. Tell us the works that we need. And he says, that's not work-based. It is free. It's a gift. All you have to do is to believe. And he brings the gospel in. And that's, again, the invitation. You might be thinking, Pierre, I hear you. There's a banquet feast of bread and Jesus for me. But, ah, man, there's so much I've got to go and fix and get right in order to even get to the table. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, that's nonsense. I have come and all you have to do is have faith in me and believe in me. I'm the bread and it's readily available. Come to my feast and eat and enjoy. That's the invitation to all of us. The fourth or third thing that Jesus addresses here, Jesus came not for the momentary, but for the eternal. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. The bread that you had the other day supplied your need for that day. But the bread that I give, give takes care of you unto and into eternity. So can we stretch again just our perspective from our world that we live in and just think a little bit longer than the 80 and the 90 or 40 or 20 or 10 years that God by his grace might have measured for each one of us. And this is what he says. You guys just want the momentary. You just want the quick fill, the quick answer, the quick prayer, the quick resolve on your challenge. But I'm giving you all of life. I'm giving you life into eternity. And this is why it's so important to see what he did in setting up the I am statements. He started by saying, I'm the bread. The most basic thing that you need, that's me. And out of that, all the others build. And he starts speaking about who he is beyond just the bread. That's why Simon Peter said, when Jesus challenged the disciples, the 12, he said, 
Look at all those going away. Do you also want to go away? I can imagine the resolve when he asked that question. It's just, okay, do you also want to, we read it sometimes, just, do you also want to go? No. Do you also want to leave like them? And then Simon Peter responds with a glorious response. How can we? You hold the words of eternal life. And this world and the enemy is doing a great job to put our focus on the words of this life and steal away from being focused on the words of eternal life, which is Jesus. And we find ourselves living on leftovers. And then lastly, Jesus said something important for us to note. Jesus came not to meet our expectations, but to call us up to his realizations. He told them, do you take offense at this? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Why did they not believe? Because they wanted Jesus to be the Jesus that they imagined him to be. He would just gather them around again and just dish out bread. And this is, this is critical. Some of us might walk around with a boxed idea of like, Jesus got to look like that, then I'll follow him. And then we might follow him and then we become disillusioned because there's some things that he said that I don't like. So it's in the Bible, but uh, the context is different. <laughs> Let's take it out. We don't have to read that passage. And in the end, we create our own little world of what bread looks like. And we are never satisfied until we say, Jesus, you have something that you have come and fulfilled and said. Your realizations are there. My expectations are here. Will you help me climb this up until I get to that place of what you see, not what I think I need? And this is what he told them. You guys are offended by what I'm saying? It's because your expectations are that I'm just going to give you a piece of bread. But here I'm standing with this. Just come and have this. Come and eat some, some of the fresh bread that I am. Free. But we dance around this, and Jesus sees our lives just scurrying around, trying to, to find a fill, trying to find the satisfaction that we think we need. And he's just standing ready and saying, just come to me, come to me, come to me, and eat. It's the invitation to each one of us. We see the promise of the invitation in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I don't know where you are at this morning. But there's a promise to this invitation of him saying, come to me, the bread of life. Maybe you could relate to yesterday's bread. Last week's bread, last year's bread. Maybe there was a moment where you've tasted and seen how good God is. Maybe you've put that in a lunchbox and you're just holding on to that. The invitation this morning is to come to him afresh and anew. You know what? The invitation is tomorrow morning to come to him afresh and anew. The invitation is tomorrow afternoon to come to him afresh and anew. Every meal, every moment... He's got fresh bread. 
Maybe you've seen Jesus just as useful. Jesus, I need some stuff. I need this or I need that. I need this breakthrough. I need this answer. So please, no, nothing wrong to bring our requests to him. But you see, it's when we taste the bread that we make the requests. We don't make the request in order to get to the bread. It's because we've had the bread that we can say, Jesus, I want to bring this to you. It's because we had the bread that we can say, Jesus, I really need you to be strong for me in this situation in my life. Maybe for some of us, we like those who refer back to Moses and the days of old, the traditions. Yeah, my dad was a strong spiritual leader. Our Afrikaans people have this statement, a groot christen. Yeah, he's a groot christen. Small and big Christians, I mean. It's the same Jesus. It's just a life more surrendered than another life. It's nothing like small and big Christians. It's just how surrendered you are to Jesus. And how often you eat the bread that He's willingly giving us every day. Maybe you've, you've walked in tradition and you think you're all right because you attend the church and you're still attending church and you know, the church you go to now is maybe a little bit more lively and Jesus is saying, come to me. Don't base it on where you've been or what you've experienced or any other thing out there. Why are you pursuing other places, other ideas, other movements, other things when it's just me that you need to come after? And when you, once you come to me, you're going to find the people that you're going to do this walk with. So stop looking to the outside and come to me. Don't base it on someone else's story. You have a story to tell and I want to bring it to you today. That is the invitation to each one of us. I'm going to ask once more. Are you living from the bread of life? Or are you living on leftovers? And it's a simple adjustment. Because it's free. You don't have to do a whole lot of things this morning. Other than just eating the bread. How do we do it? Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I Today, I pray that you would be my ultimate treasure. Jesus, I forfeit all the other treasures that I've held so dear. Even my food, my budget for it. I just want you. Will you speak to me? Will you come and let me experience what it is to be hungry for you? And then be satisfied. And Lord, tomorrow morning when I wake up, make me hungry for you again so that I could once more be satisfied in you. And this afternoon, Lord, make me hungry for you again so that I could be once more satisfied by you. I'm coming to your banquet feast of grace today and I'm eating fresh bread. That's all we have to do.